0: Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son.
1: And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears.
0: We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through patreon you can find us there at brutal bizarre and boozy podcast or use the link in our show notes find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network
1: hi i'm molly and i'm abigail we're sisters and we believe in ghosts welcome to supernatural sisters a podcast all about ghostly encounters bone-chilling monsters, and basically anything that goes bump in the night. Each week we talk about a haunted place, a legendary monster, or a story that sends shivers down our spine. And maybe we'll talk about the pottery scene from Ghost.
0: (laughs) He's not a ghost in that scene. There are other parts of that movie where he's a ghost.
1: Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And remember, we we believe you.
0: Mom, what story do you have for us today?
1: Well... I have a Oregon story, and that is uh Nancy Crampton Brophy. Uh, she wrote, she was a, an author that was convicted of murdering her husband. And her being an author does mm-hmm. play a part in the story.
0: She read murder mystery stories.
1: Sort of, yes. Okay. And she wrote something that was a little on the sketchy side. So uh, before I ask you about your drink, I wanted to read a recent Apple review. And this is from Stephanie uh, from the Zach Solved Mysteries podcast. She wrote thrilling ride five stars. This podcast is This podcast is a delightful blend of macabre storytelling and cocktail creativity. The mother-son duo behind the mic keeps the atmosphere lively and engaging. Their choice of stories is both brutal and bizarre, making for riveting listening. And those themed cocktails? Pure genius! Exclamation point. Had to say the exclamation point. The hosts are not only well-informed, but also have a knack for presenting these stories in a unique and fun way. I wholeheartedly recommend this podcast for anyone looking to enjoy a twist on true crime storytelling. So thank you, Stephanie.
0: Hey, thank you. We
1: love having reviews. Yes. And if any of you other listeners would like us to read a review, please leave us a review. We appreciate all the reviews.
0: Yes, we do. And for a cocktail, I will say, I don't like the name of it.
1: (laughs) No. I agree.
0: So it's the Black Eyed Susan, which most 100% was named after some dude who beat his wife up, but.
1: Maybe. We're going to go with that. It's for the flower. It was named after the flower, Black Eyed Susan's.
0: I bet the flower was named after the same thing too, but. Maybe. Let's go. It's called the Black Eyed Susan. Okay. And it consists of, so I'd like to preface the listeners. I had this drink the other day and I wasn't a huge fan of it until I switched the measurements. So I'm going to read you the measurements of the recipe I found. And then I'm going to tell you what I made my drink out of. Because some of us might not like sweeter drinks and this drink is very sweet. So the original recipe calls for one ounce of bourbon. One ounce of vodka, one ounce of peach schnapps, two ounces of orange juice, and one ounce of sour mix. So for my cocktail that I made today, I used two ounces of bourbon, two ounces of vodka, one ounce of peach schnapps, one ounce of orange juice, and one ounce of sour mix. Because I I tried this the other day, and it was super sweet. Like, too, so sweet that I couldn't drink it. But yeah, this... Recipe I made the 2.0, I would call it Black Eyed Season (laughs) 2.0, is a double
1: Black Eyed Susan. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna give it a try. Sweet drinks. Try my recipe, other than the original recipe, but let's give it a try.
1: I made the original recipe, so I'm gonna see how sweet it is.
0: I'll have to say, my recipe is better, but. (laughs) So. Because I got about halfway through this cocktail before it started stinking.
1: So I used light orange juice, so it has less sugar in it already. I used that difference. And then I used homemade sweet and sour, so that it was probably less simple syrup. And it was probably less sweet than
0: a bottle mix, right?
1: Yes, I used homemade okay. sweet and sour mix.
0: That's what I got.
1: Okay, which Charter's was bought
0: sweet and sour from the store, so that's probably right. Why I,
1: and is my so guess sweet. is that is probably sweeter than a homemade mix. Mine was one part Definitely. simple syrup, Definitely. one part lemon juice, half part of lime juice. So mine is not overly sweet. The most thing that the thing that I taste the most in it is the peach schnapps. Which I don't in great quantities. I it's a lot of it's not a great, too, but one. Mm-hmm.
0: also for a side note, I use sour apple vodka because that's all I had in my cabinet. Oh. So it tastes pretty fucking okay. good, I will say. Okay. My recipe, at least the higher alcohol, lower sugar volume. Yeah, yeah. I prefer that over the original one, but. We don't really care. You can make whatever recipe you want for our story. Right. And I'd also like to say that I fucked up. And I was looking for a recipe for a brutal, even though I was doing bizarre. So technically this pod or this cocktail would go better with last week's podcast, because that's where I based it off of the Baltimore
1: State oh. flapper,
0: black eyed Susan. Oh. and my, my Joe Metheny story took place in Baltimore, in Baltimore. So, okay, I'd like to say, this this cocktail has zero connection to our, my story. To this your week, story, it's, yeah, oh. it's still a good dream. whoops. So, oops, just if you're a real alcoholic like us, then you'll make both cocktails for our last week's episode. but. If not, then we're,
1: this is we're not alcoholics.
0: It's we're not good.
1: alcoholics. I
0: beg to differ, but. <laughs> Okay. All right. Tell so us this story. Let's get into my story. My story yes. is the Tuskegee experiment.
1: Oh no. I'm sure a lot of
0: people know about this. It's very controversial in America because that's where it took place at. But let's yes. get into it.
1: It's horrible. Ugh.
0: So. In the early 1930s, America was grappling with the devastating effects of syphilis, a sexually transmitted disease with severe health consequences. Against this backdrop, the U.S. Public Health Service initiated a study in 1932 in Macon County, Alabama. Its, per, its uh, supposed claim was to study the long-term effects of untreated syphilis in African-American men. The study recruited 600 impoverished American men. African American men, sorry. 399 had syphilis and 201 without syphilis. Uh, But the, the health providers to these men, they didn't say they had syphilis. They said they had bad blood. So...
1: Okay...
0: Maybe this was back in the day where it was like smoke a cigarette to help with lung cancer type shit. Like, Uh,
1: maybe I mean it's the early 30s, so I mean
0: there was it's not the 1830s though. It's not the
1: 1730s either. Question: No,
0: these are people that are still potentially alive.
1: Yes. Um, Do we know why they targeted African American? Men versus just men in general or men and women. Because they
0: were racist. (laughs) Because they (laughs) wanted.
1: Valid point back
0: then. Very valid point. I don't don't think they really cared who who they tested it on as long as it wasn't the white male. So.
1: Okay. All right. Point taken. Thank you.
0: Very fucked up and.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: substantial study that was not used correctly so in the 1940s when penicillin emerged as a highly effective treatment for syphilis the men were deliberately denied this life-saving medicine so they had taken all these uh men in as their subjects right. and at the time penicillin was the main treatment for syphilis And they deliberately denied these men their proper treatment, saying that they were in a study, they were given placebos labeled as syphilis treatment, but it was entirely placebos to measure, like, what happened if someone had syphilis and didn't get it treated. Not all individuals in the study remained silent. Nurses, doctors who witnessed the suffering of the participants raised concerns about the study's ethical implications. In the early 70s, Peter uh, Bruxton, a public service investigator, leaked details of the study of the press, setting off a firestorm of public outrage. Because obviously it's like, if someone says, okay, we're, the." I mean, COVID's not even really related to this, but it's like, we have COVID patients and we're going to give them the placebo to the cure. And then they get a. It's very similar to that. Yeah. In 1972, uh, hearings led by U.S. Congress exposed the study's egregious ethical violations leading to its immediate termination. So so Congress was aware that there were there wasn't experiment giving mm-hmm. these people syphilis while whether, whether they already had it or they didn't have it they were still studying these people because syphilis was a huge issue back in the day like right uh You know how George Washington wore a powdered wig and Mm -hmm. like all the super important, I I guess you could call them parliament, wore powdered wigs? Yeah. The the reason they wore powdered wigs is because syphilis ran through them and they'd lose all their hair. One of the main things about syphilis is you'd lose your hair. It'd come out in like clumps. It's like...
1: Oh I did not know that. That's gross. Had
0: chemo. I'd never had chemo, but I apparently it's I very imagine. similar to chemo where you're like yeah. washing your hair and then you look in your yeah. hand and you have a whole <gasps> clump of fucking oh. hair in your hand. Yeah, wow. so it causes people to lose their hair. Ew. That's one of the main thing like main uh a sign issues with syphilis, yes, is because it it would make you lose wow. your hair. And That's get a definite like outward really sign. Gross, like, yeah, you'd get these really gross, Ew. like scabs on your scalp. Yeah, because it. So syphilis is this really weird type of infection that it like it create. It's similar to Lyme disease where you'd have like spiral shaped infections where it would target the scalp and cause you to have. Really bad lesions and like nasty Ugh, shit on your Okay. Scalp.
1: You're grossing me yeah. out, man. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of people were kind of interested in that and they'd do a bunch of research to try and figure that out. Cause, right. Obviously, if fucking, cause it'd make you also like a little bit weird. Like syphilis, people who were infected with syphilis would become like,
1: well, at the end stage it goes to your brain, I believe. And it causes like some psychosis because well, in it the beginning, infects your, it brain. Goes to your
0: brain. Yeah. Oh, in the yeah. beginning? So oh, I thought George it was Washington end. Syphilis. Well, it it's an it's a brain thing. So like oh. I mean if you catch it if you get syphil if you get S T D tests like regularly, then it doesn't become an end stage thing. But end right. stage it's like it starts eating your brain and causing your hair yeah. to fall out. So It's, like, super gross and super weird, and so pretty much everyone you saw with powdered wigs back in the day had syphilis, and that's why they wore the powdered wigs. Okay. It became, like, yeah. The Tuskegee syphilis study left an indelible mark on the African-American community, further eroding trust in the medical establishment. The study promoted a, a significant overhaul in medical ethics and research protocols, including the establishment of institutional review boards. So before this, a lot of people were allowed to do, like nowadays, like medical studies have a lot of ethics involved and they're trying to like say like, oh, this, this was an ethical study that was done in the wrong way and this was not an ethical study that was done. And so, like, ethics weren't a big thing back in the 30s and 40s, so... Right. In the 1970s, like, nearly 30 years after the experiment... Yeah, 30, 40 years. President President Bill Clinton issued an official apology on behalf of the U.S. government, acknowledging the horrors inflicted upon its victims, which... I'd like to say the Tuskegee experiment. Also, there was another one committed in Guatemala, I want to say. It was basically the same study where they'd infect people with syphilis and like record what type of um, like issues they'd experienced during this obviously right. corrupt fucking medical regimen. Is, right. Because back in the day, there wasn't as many ethical. Like, if you want to conduct an experiment nowadays, you have to go through a bunch of ethical. Right. Evaluations to make sure that this right. experiment is in fact logistical and it makes sense. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It it prevents people from doing shit like this. Yeah. So the test like they followed these people after they had gotten treatment for four years, the experiment ended and they were never provided the health like penicillin is a very available drug that we can give to people nowadays. And even after the experiment ended and was shut down by the government, they still continued to keep these people in the radar and they didn't let them get the medical treatment. expertise that oh they needed. My God. So wow. they allowed these people to have syphilis. They allowed these people to not get the medical treatment that they needed. And if they tried to go to a different hospital, then the government would talk to these people and be like, Hey, we're doing an experiment and you can't give these people the treatment that they needed.
1: Oh and.
0: There was this program back in the day. I don't know if it's still as popular as it was 40 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. But there was a thing where they would let people own a farm, but the the farm would, would be owned by someone else. And that person would collect all the crops and stuff. So it was... It was, like, a sublet farm, if that oh, makes any sense. Oh,
1: okay. Uh-huh.
0: Like, they, they would own, like, one person would own the farm, and then they would yeah. let these people work on they it. They would lease out
1: the land. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: sharecropping is what it was called. But they'd let these farmers rent the land out technically and then give them a certain percentage of the crops that they collected. So sharecroppers were originally, like, the main... Subjects to the experiment Oh And So a lot of these people were Farmers and I don't know if you know much About farmers but they don't like to go to the doctor <laughs> they, Sometimes Farmers will just figure that shit out But
1: Sometimes they don't have time Either because farming Is a very yeah, a Hard job and they gotta a lot be there of work. Yeah That's why I'm not a farmer
0: i also like to say That uh, farmers have the highest suicide rate of any profession. So if you are a farmer and you, for some reason, feel the need to commit suicide, uh, 988 is a suicide crisis lifeline. So Mm, if you need help, please call 988. um but I, so a lot of these sharecroppers were farmers and they experienced life altering fucking disabilities because of this experiment because syphilis is so it's easily preventable or not preventable i i mean i guess so treatable. with the use of condoms but it it's treatable yes treatable is the word i'm looking for and the treatment is penicillin because Penicillin fucking treats like a lot of shit. But one of the things it treats is syphilis and these people were deliberately denied syphilis, primarily black men. And I don't know. It, yeah. This should just make me angry, but. Agreed. Sorry. <laughs> so the Tuskegee syphilis study stands as a haunting reminder of the lengths to which unethical practices can persist within unchecked and undiscovered. Uh, impoverished racial ethical uh, oversights and medical research because a lot of really fucked up medical research has happened i i say in in parentheses medical <laughs> research like there's a lot right. of things that underline this this study and it where america is not the only One's to do this. There's been a lot of no. other
1: shady shit happens everywhere.
0: Yeah, it, it's pretty unfortunately. Tough. So, sadly, these men went like after after the government denied spending for this research. The the there was forty of the patients of the Tuskegee experiment. That were still followed 40 years later.
1: Wow. And
0: they would... Let's say the this person went to a different medical treatment center. They mm-hmm. were... the per, The person who started Tuskegee experiments, they contacted that hospital that the person was going to and said, oh, this is part of something bigger than you. And they still Don't weren't provided... Them. Proper medical treatment. Wow. They they had never received proper, proper medical treatment even 40 years wow. after the experiment had ended. So this experiment That's... subsequently lasted 40 years
1: right. before
0: it was given to the public. Like, wow. Because it was still a government. I don't believe the CIA was involved with the... This experiment, but it's still, it's such a shame that these people went 40 years without treatment of a very easily treatable disease. Like, yeah, one, one or two injections of penicillin could help them. And they were automatically denied because the person who started it said that they needed to be followed all the way through until their death.
1: That's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible.
0: The, not the first very fucked up medical study I've covered, but not the last. No, that's for sure. True.
1: I I debated between
0: this and a different one, and I'm sure you guys are all glad that I picked this one because the other <laughs> other medical one I had involved dogs. So
1: oh no, we're not doing dogs. People
0: no people would be happy with humans dying rather yeah. than dogs, but.
1: I mean, it's it's terrible, it's but I don't want to hear about unethical. dogs cuz I'm going to cry. Yeah. No. That
0: that's kind of what I had in mind too. I figured I was going to yeah. cry if I talked about it. So
1: Don't don't make <laughs> us cry. Let's, let's skip to your story. Okay, moving on to my story. My story is about um, a woman who killed her husband. So, yeah, her name is Nancy Crampton Brophy. She was born June 16, 1950 in Wichita Falls, Texas. She was the middle child and both parents were lawyers in their town. She graduated from high school in 1968 and went on to study economics at the University of Houston. For a brief time, she was married to a police officer, but the marriage didn't last. In the early 1990s, she moved from Texas to Portland, Oregon, and enrolled in culinary school. This was where she met her next husband, Daniel Brophy. He was an instructor at the culinary school, and they met right after she started attending school there. Daniel Brophy was four years younger than Nancy, born on June 27, 1954. The couple were first friends, but Nancy soon was won over by Dan's intelligence and cooking abilities. Which I get because I love it when people can cook for me. You're an awesome cook, Declan, and I love it when you cook for me. Uh, the Same. couple was married. You cook very in... well. uh, Any I feel that
0: I don't have to cook, I appreciate so
1: <laughs> that's right. Uh, They were married in a large ceremony eight years after first meeting. Dan continued teaching at the culinary school, and Nancy ran a successful catering company for many years. Dan was not only a good cook, but he was a master gardener who often sold herbs from his garden at the cooking school. He was also well adept at foraging for mushrooms in the forest and would often take students out with him into the woods, passing along his knowledge. For a long time, Nancy had an interest in writing, and in 2003, she joined a romance writers group. She first started writing education pamphlets and later became a fictional author. From 2015, she wrote a romantic suspense series named Wrong, Never Felt So Right, which contains six total books for the series. Such an... Odd and unique name for a book series, but okay. Some of the book titles were the wrong husband and the wrong lover.
0: Being called the wrong lover, if your wife is writing stories about the wrong lover, you might want to (laughs) yes introduce marriage counseling or something like that.
1: Right. Um, A common theme in several of the books were star-crossed lovers and police procedures. One book even featured a large life insurance policy. On the morning of June 2nd, 2018, Dan was prepping for his classes at the culinary school. Hours after Dan arrived at the school, his students were unable to get into the classroom because the door was locked, which was very unusual. Dan was known for being prompt and present for his students. The students were able to get another instructor to open the door. They went into the room and found Dan inside dead from two gunshot wounds.
0: So okay so go. wait. So the students went into the classroom and this dude was just dead. Their yeah. teacher was dead? Their at teacher the was dead
1: desk? in the classroom um in the kitchen. So, it's a culinary school. So, the classroom is a kitchen. So, he was dead in the like in the classroom.
0: College pretty much, right?
1: Yes, it was culinary
0: school. It was in a high school class. Okay. okay.
1: No, no, it was a, a college culinary.
0: Cuz I had thing, Cal- so. culinary arts in my high school, but I never took it, so.
1: Right. Yes, imagine the shit you would have cooked for your teacher if you were there. You had been yeah, in that, that class. Yeah, that would
0: have fucking alone out of her knees she had no a, kidding i'm pretty sure my culinary arts high school teacher's husband died during class so. oh oh
1: that's sad yeah. Yeah. well this guy died before class so um where was i
0: i'd like to say I'm- just gonna cut you off real quick okay i can't imagine the jokes that went around that high school after After finding Uh, a dead body in the class.
1: Well, but he liked everybody. Mm. Liked him. He was well appreciated by the students and the faculty. He was a nice guy.
0: I've never talked to anyone that liked my culinary arts teacher in high school. So maybe Uh, that's well. There's that. Everyone hated that that bitch. She was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry talking about your dead husband,
1: but. (sighs) Oh, man. Uh, The students were able to, I already said that part. Mm -mm. Here I am. The police always want to speak with the spouse of a murder victim, obviously. Nancy claimed that she had been in bed all morning working on a new book. However, it was later discovered that Nancy was seen on a traffic camera driving to and from the area of the school during the time that Dan was murdered. So, yeah, how are you driving around your husband's school yet in bed writing? Not possible. So, Nancy claimed that she didn't recall being near the school that day, but she was likely just on a coffee run or writing notes for a book. Because she liked to drive around in that area, and take notes for books that she was writing for her romance novels that often had an element of being, you know, a little policey murdery kind of thing. A few months after the murder, Nancy was arrested for the murder. The trial began almost 4 years later in 2022. During the trial, forensic evidence showed the gun used in the murder was a Glock pistol. Nancy owned the same type of gun, but the police were unable to find it. It was also revealed during the trial that Nancy had purchased some interesting gun parts, including a new slide and barrel and an unregistered ghost gun. So a ghost gun is okay, like so a non um
0: a registered number. it's a gun with right. a head too. yeah
1: right. It's not a government uh identified gun, so she had all okay, these so, spare parts,
0: so I think it'd be very easy to tell if a high school teacher or sorry college teacher. I guess a professor. A college professor was shot with a gun. I feel like that'd be very easy to tell once you get into the classroom. Like, what the fuck?
1: Yes. So they, they, I mean, they did know. Yeah, they did know that he died from a gunshot wound. His students could tell that, you know. Um, But then when the forensics was evaluated, they couldn't match a gun. They couldn't find her gun and they couldn't match it to a gun. Um, But she had all these spare parts. Well, her defense for having these spare parts and had purchased these parts was that she was doing a research project for a new novel that she intended to write about a woman who bought gun parts. So of course she has to research how easy it is to buy a ghost gun and buy spare gun parts and all those things. That was her defense. Yes.
0: Okay, keep going.
1: She also claimed that the gun that she owned was actually for her husband so that he could protect himself while he was hiking in the woods because he liked to go hiking to forage for mushrooms. So, of course, she had to get him a pistol to protect himself while he was in the woods foraging for mushrooms. Now.
0: So. We live it in Oregon. 19, right?
1: it, it was a Glock pistol. I don't know which Glock it was.
0: Okay. Okay. But There's a million different Glocks, so that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I will say that in the area that we live in, there is a lot of mushroom foraging and the the mushroom hunters often end up dead because it's such a huge Thing to get the mushrooms, and it's such a big amount of money that they can make off of them. And there's pigs. often, no, yeah, I mean, but without the truffles, it's the morel mushrooms in our area that people oh, morel? end up They're
0: yeah, dying morel. over morel mushrooms.
1: Yeah, mushroom camps. I mean, I'm not sure in Portland if that's what he was hunting for up there, but anyway, that was her story. That the gun was for him to protect himself. However, the prosecution believed that Nancy used the spare barrel during the shooting and switched it back to the original barrel afterwards, then discarded the barrel that was used in the crime. So she swapped out the barrels at some point. That's what their theory was.
0: Bitch knows her shit. That's all I'm saying. I mean, a barrel is one of the number one implications on the crime. So uh,
1: right, because the rifling on the Bullets when you on done, the bullets and all yeah, of when that you fire and, a
0: gun, there's very specific rifling to each barrel, and so
1: and the like pin if I strike.
0: My gun, they'd be able to tell, but
1: right, all of the identifying stuff for those bullets didn't wasn't matched to anything. Nancy's motive for murdering her husband was questioned, and it was believed that she did it to profit from his life insurance policies. Yes, you heard me right. I said policies, plural. She had taken out 10 different policies on Dan, with them totaling over $1 million. Plus, she would get sole ownership of their house. Yes.
0: So I'd like to say. If you plan on killing your spouse, please take out the the life insurances in advance of six months plus, like
1: probably yes. I don't know how probably long probably
0: two years were plus. I out. should say, yeah, I would think. That's another they're gonna look at you no matter what. A lot of crimes like that, yeah. So if you have right. if you've had these life insurances for two years plus, then.
1: It doesn't look as shady.
0: Yeah, it might not be as shady, so. Yeah. Although the prosecution. Please take out a real life, like.
1: Take out one or two. But not 10.
0: Two or three years before, but. Yeah.
1: Not that we're telling anybody how to murder their spouse.
0: Uh, I think we are, but that's all right.
1: (laughs) The prosecution's case was basically circumstantial, but it was enough for the jury. In May of 2022 at the age of 71, Nancy was convicted of murdering her husband, Dan, and sentenced to life in prison. A very interesting tidbit in the court of public opinion was online, was an online blog post that Nancy wrote. And, and I say public opinion because it wasn't allowed in the trial. In 2011, Nancy wrote an online essay titled, How to Murder Your Husband. Yes, it detailed different options for committing an untraceable murder and how to avoid getting caught. Some of the manners of death she explored, including stabbing, poisoning, using a hitman, and firearms. She commented in the essay that the wife surely, yeah.
0: Don't write trying to commit a murder. There's no such thing as an untraceable murder in 2023. There's too many technologies and DNA Mm -hmm. shit you can do, like.
1: familial dna there's no such
0: thing as an untraceable murder yeah. especially if you I would call agree. out life insurance on someone so if you need some right. help 10 policies us. we'll help you out right. <laughs> if you need some help trying to kill someone. no we won't no we won't
1: <laughs>
0: hey
1: we're not helping anyway okay
0: maybe you... Do it we'll just
1: tell you what we've read about and and ways that people have gotten yeah. caught and we'll be like, well, don't exactly. take out 10 life insurance policies and don't write a, an online essay that, essay that says, especially titled How to Murder Your Husband for Crying Out Loud. I mean, exactly. she said in the essay that the wife would be, um, of course, a suspect. And so the wife must be, quote unquote, ruthless and very clever to get away with it. The essay definitely had a terrible title in regards to her plea of innocence. But again, the essay wasn't even allowed into trial because the judge said, no, we're not allowing that in there. It's too. I saw that the rationale behind not allowing it was that it was from 2011, but that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if you say you're going to murder somebody and it takes you seven years to do it, it's still, you know. Relevant, but whatever. Um, either way, in theory, jurors didn't know about the essay or its contents. So they just convicted her off of the largely circumstantial evidence. And now she's in prison. She, I believe, I don't know if she filed an appeal yet or she in, is intending to file an appeal, but um, she's still sitting in prison. So mm-hmm. that is my story.
0: Well, do you have a chaser for us?
1: I do have a chaser, and it is a movie recommendation. The It's on Prime, okay. and it's called The Voyeurs. It's about a couple who move into an apartment and incidentally realize that they can see their neighbors across the street and all the antics that the neighbors are getting up to and so they start watching them and it becomes an obsession and it takes a dark turn when somebody ends up dead and then it takes it's I'm not going to give any spoilers but it had a very surprise ending that I was not expecting and I thought it was really good movie so I highly recommend it
0: a great recommendation. I have a not so chaser chaser. Uh-uh. So if you if you are emotional like us, I would recommend skipping past my chaser, but it's so not I a chaser if article. it's gonna make me sad, man. It's gonna make me sad too. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's a, still a chaser though. Chaser I tell you here the story. <laughs> Okay, no. so my chaser slash non-chaser is uh, George Pinkering. I don't know. I'm guessing you haven't heard of this, but in a previous chaser, I think I mentioned the movie John Q. Did I mention okay. that on chaser before? I don't Where remember. Denzel Washington I to go back takes and... a hospital hostage? To you might have. I can't remember our chasers at all. So
1: I know I can go back and look. So
0: I found I found a real life John Q. So John oh. Q. The movie is about a kid. Uh, this this man's kid has a heart attack after a, a football play. Like this five year old kid ends up having a heart attack, and they're looking for a placement heart. And so John oh, Q yeah. played by Denzel Washington ends up holding the hospital hostage. And this is exactly what happens in my story. So George Pinkering, oh. George Pinkering the second, which was George Pinkering. Uh, the th- no, George Pinkering the third was the son of John of George Pinkering the Second. And George Pinkering the Third had a history of the see, my issue with this story is that the son and the father have the exact same name. It's just the right. second and the third. So if I get this if I get the second and the third mixed up, don't give me flack, but
1: uh-huh.
0: George Pinkering the f- third, I want to say, uh So, George Pinkering the second had a history of seizures, and on uh, so the
1: dad, the dad had seizures.
0: No, I'm so
1: confused right now. Okay, the the son had seizures, just call him the son and the the dad.
0: So, the third is the dad, second is the son. Second had no, the third can't be
1: the dad, dude yeah yeah second is dude, the dude you need third another chaser Sorry. i'm so confused
0: <laughs> no no it's too late i can't change it <laughs> so the second is the father The third is the son third had a history of seizures he had a medical okay. condition which yes gave him uh, a lot of seizures and third had a stroke and was uh about couple hours away from being pronounced brain dead so the The hospital had tried to pronounce the third the The son son. the third brain dead okay so the second the father the father of the second had so he admitted to having been drunk and running on his prefrontal cortex which is The one that
1: I think you're running on your brain (laughs) bundle.
0: Okay. So the third (laughs) is in the hospital with a very serious condition. He had a stroke. The third had a stroke. The third had some previous medical experiences. And the second went to his son, who was declared brain dead by the hospital. And the second was trying to fight for his son's life. Okay. And since his son had been declared brain dead by the hospital, he had gone home and gotten his pistol.
1: <gasps> okay.
0: Got his pistol. And while he was in his room with his his son, the George Pinkerton III, he felt his son grab his finger which would oh. indicate that he's, his son was not brain dead
1: not brain dead so, yeah.
0: exactly and so his son had grabbed his finger but since the hospital had already ruled him brain dead they were trying to take him off life support after having a stroke so his son his son was about 25 26 i think um And George Pinkerton brought his pistol into the hospital and had barricaded himself in his son's room. His son was brain technically declared brain dead, but he had felt his son grab his finger, which would indicate that a person is not actually brain dead, like from a coma. And so John Pinkerton the second. Held up the hospital at gunpoint, which is the exact same story as John Q. The movie, Q. Like, is it
1: Pinkerton or Pinkerine? Pinkerton. Oh, that you said Pinkerine.
0: Pinkering. I don't know. I I can't pronounce names, so maybe it's Pinkering. I don't give a fuck. It's Pinkerton in my mind, but this man, dude,
1: you're off the rails
0: this man john pinkerton ii held the hospital at gunpoint because he felt his son john pinkerton second yeah. hold his Third. finger which would indicate yes. that this,
1: not this brain person
0: dead. is still alive and
1: right so what happened
0: he held the so he held the hospital at gunpoint for Multiple he, hours until did the
1: son wake His up? son
0: actually recovered because the hospital had declared oh. his son for completely brain dead, and they were right. going to take him off life support right. after having a stroke. So this man wow. held the hospital at gunpoint, saying, "My son, just hold my finger. This is this means yeah. he's not dying." And the son made a complete recovery because the father held wow. the hospital at gunpoint, which is the exact story of John Q. Wow. Like, a very famous movie yeah. with Denzel Washington.
1: Right, and that's so, cool.
0: The fact that he was able, like, he stopped the hospital from taking his son off of life support with his pistol, and then th- the son made a complete recovery because they were about to take him off life support, and this shit's making me right. emotional. but Yeah. Like, this dude completely stood up for his son, saying, I felt him grab my hand, and John, uh, the the third, or the second, whatever one is first, the the father ended up getting arrested and charged for uh, multiple years for, like, brandishing a weapon in a hospital, but his son was able to make a complete recovery right before they were about to take him off life support, which is...
1: That's okay. That's pretty I amazing.
0: You, I told you this chaser was gonna make me emotional, and it is. But yeah, the fact that okay. he was able to understand his son, and re- gr- granted, brandishing a weapon in a hospital is illegal, but right in some instances it's required because this guy was able to clear his son. Yeah, his son made a complete and full recovery, complete and full recovery on his own. Even though the hospital said he was completely brain dead and was about to take right. him off life support, this shit. Like, That's a miracle. That's awesome. Although George Pinkerton II was arrested for brandishing a firearm in a hospital. Right. He's currently okay. out now and That's he's good. more than happy that his son survived. So,
1: yeah. I I'm completely sure.
0: butchered this fucking chaser because I got so emotional, but. All you need to know is John Q. The movie worked that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I know that, did right. that as, a, as a chaser before. And
1: yeah, I think it was a long time yeah, ago. It,
0: it really made me sad to think about John, John Q. But this is like the. I it, it's very yeah. emotional.
1: Well, it was a very good chaser okay, with a chase nice for? turnout. I already what, gave you my chaser. Your
0: chaser? The movie. Let's get a Boyers movie. Out of this fucking messed up. Oh, messed up. Yes, you, you
1: spiraled it. and forgot that my chaser was I the did, Voyeur's movie. I
0: really spiraled really bad. <laughs> it was not good. It's
1: okay. It's all right. You're emotional, and it's a sad thing to imagine. It's not. You know, sad. having I, to. It, I, I mean, mean, it's sad that that he had to go to those lengths. But it's also happy that, you know, he saved his son's life, so.
0: Yeah, uh, he was the only person who believed in his son. And Right. oh, I'm yeah. going to stop talking before I start crying, but okay. go for it. Okay. <laughs> go for it. Do your chaser. Do your chaser. Around, I already, di- Dude, I already did my chaser. I know. Keep talking about it, though. I, I,
1: well, I it was a good movie. It was... it was a good movie, and it was not sad, and there was good stuff that— it like, you know, a little bit of weird spin on the movie, so I highly recommend *The Voyeurs*. So I think that about wraps us up because okay. Declan's getting emotional, understandably. So, I am. I am. Yes.
0: It... <laughs> okay.
1: All right. All right. Thank you for Thanks for listening, everybody. Listening,
0: everybody. I appreciate it. <laughs> Please leave a app review if you like to have yes, us read we in would... the next episode so
1: yes we would love to read wonderful reviews from our friends thank you so much nice chatting with you bud
0: thank you good chatting with you too all right bye bye